Hi listeners, today we're going to be reviewing um, two different slave narratives, one about Frederick Douglass and one about Harriet Jacobs. Um, Frederick Douglass was a male slave and he his narrative kind of takes us through a chronological journey of his life and his experiences, whereas Harriet Jacobs, she does the same thing but more so as she reviews what happened to her and um, she tries to reflect on how that made her who she is. Um, slavery is, of course, um, a condition in, in which one human being was owned by another. A slave was considered by law property, and they had no human rights. Um, because of this, it was just a very, very depressing period in history, and many slaves were very unfortunate and did not become free. However, both of the slaves we talk about today will become free eventually. Um, we're going to talk about and review kind of two themes. However, um, I think it's clear to say that slaves throughout history have found ways to either maintain and gain control no matter what situation they're in. However limited they do, um, these methods of resistance often surfaced as learning to read or write or even simply being disobedient to their master or mistress. Despite the strong ties between many slaves because of their lonesome lives and their horrible experiences, there seemed to be a social hierarchy in place within the slave realm itself when it came to female and male slaves, and especially when it came to those relationships between the slaves and their master or mistress. I think this is something very interesting because they have their own they have their own places within their own demeaning institution. However, we will review these narratives and talk about some prevalent ideas. So one of the methods of resistance that was often used by many slaves within the institution was the um, the skill of reading and writing. To us, this is a skill that we feel is basic and is a necessity. However, to slaves, it was not warranted as something that they needed. In fact, many masters and mistresses thought that if your slave could read and write, that they were practically useless and they could not be used as a slave anymore. Um, in Frederick Douglass's narrative, he talks about the fact that he was taught, he was basically, he was exposed to writing and reading because of his master on very, very little occasion. However, when he got the taste for it, he started to really realize that this is something he wanted to do and he wanted to read. So what he ended up doing is he got a new mistress. And this mistress was um, what you would call kind of not with the times. She didn't know that it was bad to teach your slave to read and write. So she sat there and she taught Frederick Howell to read and to write. And when her husband found out which would be Douglas's master, he absolutely forbade it. And he kind of chimed her in on the idea that, okay, if you teach him how to read, he's going to be absolutely useless to us. So she stopped, but this did not stop Douglas. He ended up 
learning to read and write very well. In fact, if you read his narrative, you can tell that he was very intelligent. I think this works to his favor and the fact that he wants to appeal to a white audience. He wants to seem on their level or close to it intellectually. It makes his argument or persuasiveness stronger. Not only does Douglas not give up on reading and writing, but he starts his own Sabbath school where he teaches other slaves to read and write. When he was owned by Mr. Freeland, another master, a couple years down the road, he started his own Sabbath school. Word for word, it says, I succeeded in creating in them a strong desire to learn how to read. This desire soon sprang up in the others also. They very soon mustered up some old spelling books and nothing would do but that I must keep a Sabbath school. He literally sat and he would teach other slaves how to read and write. And this is considered a major method of resistance because he's not only... He's not only standing up for himself and trying to find something to grab hold of or control, but he's he's passing it on to others and he's he's spreading to others that reading and writing is a is something you it's a basic right. This idea of basic rights started to happen with Douglas and other people that he was teaching. He was informing them that reading and writing is something most people have mastered by the time they're you know, five years old, they're learning how to do everything perfectly, we should be doing the same. Um, this is one of Douglas's very prominent methods of resistance. However, there's another time he's in the ownership of Mr. Freeland and Mr. Covey is kind of basically the man that looks over all the slaves, including Douglas. And it's known that Mr. Covey likes to break slaves, like soul, mental, physical. He likes to break them and make them feel worthless and absolutely just not worth anything. Um, and Douglas admits that he can tell that Covey is trying to break him because Covey on many occasions would try and beat him and would do many things that made him feel very worthless however there was a time that mr covey tried to beat douglas and instead of douglas allowing it to happen he fought back and he actually in layman's terms pummeled mr covey and it actually made mr covey feel as if though he shouldn't approach douglas anymore as though this slave was unbreakable and beating and Douglas fighting back was probably one of the biggest methods of resistance I've read about in both narratives. Not because, I don't know, not because it was Douglas that did it, but it was a physical, it was a tangible, tangible method of resistance. I mean, so was reading and writing, but actually fighting Mr. Covey and leaving him with nothing but shame, it was almost like Douglas... Douglas showed himself and other slaves that Mr. Covey was not on a pedestal. He was he was not anymore. If anything, he was less than Douglas, which was to say something because Douglas was a slave and he was considered the bottom of the barrel.
However, if we compare Douglas to Jacob's, which is our female slave, um, before we discuss anything about their sex, we have to discuss the fact that um, Douglas, it took him at least two to three two to three masters or mistresses, I think it was one mistress and about two masters for him to actually master reading and start to understand it. However, Jacobs was taught to read and write under her very first mistress when she was a little girl. So she was taught how to read and write at a very young age, which kind of seems like that, not that she was put on the same level as other white children, but that there was something something different about being a female or a male slave, and that's something we'll talk about later on. However, it is very telling that she was taught at a young age because this gives her an advantage. It's something she's had her whole life, whereas Douglas has to learn later on, and it's probably way harder to learn later on than it is up, you know, as you grow. Um, it's also very interesting because she is very intellectual. You can tell that in the way she talks that she ha- she understands English very well and she writes very well. However, there's almost something different in the way that Jacobs and Douglas write. Douglas writes more detached and very, very intelligently, whereas Jacobs is more in touch with, with analytics and she sits and she analyzes everything that she says and almost test the waters with what she says, whereas Douglas will just say what he wants to say. Um, This may be due in part to the fact that Douglas learned later on. I'm sure he doesn't quite understand the barriers of speech, maybe, as well as Jacobs does. Maybe she understands more that there's things that she shouldn't say, especially as a woman, there's things she shouldn't say. Um, But this is one, one method of resistance that Jacobs maintained is she knew how to read and write and all her all her masters and mistresses after her first mistress who taught her knew that she had this skill and they they didn't mention her being useless pertaining to that idea however they did to Douglas which is also kind of telling of their gender um as she continues on in her life her masters and her mistresses don't see it as a problem they kind of not require it but they they look at it as if it is normal which as you can see according to Douglas it's not normal to learn how to read and write at a very young age Another method of resistance that was um, put in place by Jacobs kind of is is more in-depth and requires more knowledge about her. Um, however, I think we'll talk more about that when we discuss the relationships between the different genders and master and mistress. But um, in quick terms, uh, her slave, Mister or her master, Mr. Flint, wanted her to submit to him and be his... I don't know, not necessarily his wife, but his subject, his, um, his plaything, his, um, just somebody who waited on him, needed him, wanted him for everything and any time of the day. And he was often, he was much older than her, and he was often trying to 
she puts it as, um, let me find the exact quote. He tried his utmost to corrupt the pure principles my brother, my grandmother had instilled. He peopled my young mind with unclean images such as only a vile monster could think of. So he's, um, he's very willingly speaking dirty things to her and trying to convince her that this is a relationship she must want and have. However, throughout her narrative, she expresses that it's not something she wants and it's something that she's disgusted and ashamed by and she can't talk to anybody about it. But later on in her narrative, she tells us and she experiences this enlightenment. Um, the very big method of resistance to Mr. Flint would be having or letting another man have her instead of him having her so she does she falls in love with another man and she gets pregnant and she thinks that however she regrets it later just due to the circumstances and the institution that she's bringing her children up in but in the moment she thinks oh this is the best way you know to tell him that he'll never have me that i'll never be his because someone else already does um this is also a big method of resistance on Jacob's part to not only not necessarily save her purity but save her reputation and know that in her heart and her mind that she she held out on Dr. Flint and she did not give in to him and all his all his desires which is something that I think she really did not want to do she did not want to lose her purity to somebody so vile Another thing we can explore between Jacobs and Douglas was the fact that they're different genders. It's very obvious through their narratives that because they're different genders, they have different expectations. Um, Douglas even explains it a little bit, but he kind of, he brings up the idea that like working on a plantation is way worse than working in a home. Although you're both slaves in a plantation, you're beaten, you have to work until the end of the day even then you don't get to eat that much there's no recovery time you don't sleep well however primary females in the house they're sheltered they get food they 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 just perform motherly tasks all day instead of actual hard labor that's a major difference between the slaves um it's almost as if there's a social hierarchy in within the, their own institution of slavery. It's like kind of opposite from what we think is true today that females are um, at the top and males seem to be at the bottom. Um, it seems like males get um, a great deal of hardships compared to women. However, not the same. I feel that females faced a lot of emotional turmoil, whereas men faced a lot of physical um but it's obvious in the narratives that douglas has worked every day all day he's he's on a plantation he's not eating very well he's not getting enough sleep but jacobs is kind of in a house and she gets to eat and she gets to take care of people and she gets to stay away from the plantation and the beatings and the 
usually get to stay away from the beatings and the the verbal abuse and mental abuse whereas Douglas is just constantly being beaten and threatened and trying to be broken um this is a major difference in the relationships well so much the genders of the actual slaves themselves Another big difference between the relationships is if whether the ma- like who had more control over the slave, the master or the mistress. Um, for example, in Frederick Douglass, his masters were very brutal for the most part. Like Mr. Covey was very—he wasn't so much a master, but he was still higher up. But he—he he was very brutal, and he was always wanting to break slaves and treat them like dirt. Um, whereas Douglas's mistress that kind of first started to teach him how to read would let him come inside and let him sit there and learn how to write and read almost as if the mistress wasn't entirely familiar with the ideas of slavery and the institutions that were in place by masters Um, until his mistress was informed what she was doing she had no idea that it was wrong Similar to Jacob's, kind of opposite though, her master, Mr. Flint, was was very vile and wanted her as a plaything rather than a, an, a worker, an employee, a slave. He wanted her as somebody to wait on him and he would make sure to tell her over and over again that nothing was going to happen to her and she was going to be safe as long as he was alive and no one was ever going to lay a hand on her very opposite of what douglas experienced and in the same way instead of jacob's specifically dr flint's wife but her mistress dr flint's wife was so aggravated with the fact that dr flint liked jacob's that she was constantly wanting to, to beat Harriet and to get her out of the house and to kill her or remove her from the situation. It's almost as if the brutality for the gender switch. Like the met the masters, they want to break the, the male slaves. But the mistresses want to remove the female slaves because they know that they're a threat. However, Jacobs did have some nice mistresses, like Margaret, her very first mistress, taught her how to read and write and sheltered her to the point where Jacobs didn't really understand that she was an actual slave until later on when she says, um, I was fondly shielded and I never dreamed that I was a piece of merchandise. I trusted them for safekeeping and liable to be demanded of them at any moment. So she eventually came to this realization, but her mistress sheltered her from this very early. However, that never happened for Douglas. He was just thrust into slavery, and he knew that I'm a slave, and I have no place, and I'm worthless. There's quite a big difference between these two two genders. Although Jacobs and Douglas share similarities such as they were a slave, they were being controlled and manipulated by other people, um, 
they often face different types of difficulties. Douglas had to face a lot of physical problems and he had to overcome many of his his dilemmas through power. He had to overpower other people, whereas Jacobs was kind of expected to stay humble and stay a woman and stay pure and know her place. Um, despite the differences between the two, it's obvious that they primarily wanted to get a message across to white viewers, to white listeners, that no, they didn't want their pity, but they wanted they wanted their masters and their mistresses to know the reality and how bad they were treating people that were still people. Um, it's very interesting to see that even though these slaves knew they had no control, knew that they held no property, knew that they could never hold property, they would grasp for anything and they would grasp at straws. And having to teach yourself to read and write, although seems ridiculous to us, was a very big accomplishment for many slaves. Very big accomplishment. And it's also very interesting that there seems to be a social hierarchy in place among slaves themselves. It's almost as if they were playing a part in a movie that masters and mistresses wanted them to play, that they were succumbing to their roles and learning who was better and who was worse. It's very interesting to see that play out, but we see it often throughout history. Um, it was a very sad, sad point in history, but to see that these people still held some sort of control over their lives and to know that they still felt that they had something to hope for or hold on to was something that I think inspired both writers to keep going and be able to share their narratives with us.